Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk with Dan Weber, uscfootball.com beat writer and columnist about this USC football team. Bouncing back with the win over Utah State. You guys have sent in a lot of questions again. If you have more, email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or leave us a voicemail by calling 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page, and you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. Uh, we're on iTunes, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. We're on the Google Play. We're on the audio bo- audio boom. Uh, we're on Stitcher Radio, a lot of different ways you can consume the show. And thanks for writing in. Try to keep those questions short. If you write me paragraphs and paragraphs, I can't read that on the air. But go to our website, uscfootball.com. Post on our message boards if you've got a lot of thoughts to share. A lot of people doing that after the first couple of games. Uh, Dan, yeah, it was, you know, couldn't be two different games with USC playing Alabama and Utah State. And, uh, you know, bouncing back. Overall, we're going to get into the questions. What what do you think of the win? Um, I think people on the message boards right now, it seems like they're very tempered. Like, yeah, it's Utah State, but what happens this weekend uh, against Stanford? It seems to be like the kind of wait-and-see approach a lot of the USC fans are taking right now. Well, I think the the thing I like is the defense seems pretty solid. And it seems like it is going to play exactly the way Clancy – you know, said he wanted it to play, that play fast, play, you know, aggressively, play on the other side of the line of scrimmage, keep it simple. Uh, uh, he's resurrected, you know, the careers of, uh, of, uh, Michael Hutchings and Quentin Powell and, uh, to, to, uh, Leon McQuay. And all of those things I think can be a constant for the season against, you know, no matter who you play. I mean, the Alabama game, they really did play pretty well and with so many, fluky kinds of things that happened there. So I think that was a plus that they look like they're going to show up. Uh, I like the fact that they're playing the two quarterbacks. I, I really do. I know you, you know, Clay said he doesn't want, you know, the two quarterback system. Nobody seems to ever be for it. And yet um, they've gotten Sam Donald more in two games. He's gotten more uh, snaps that mount that really matter than, than Max Brown got in three years. So you really do have two quarterbacks. I mean, you know, Sam gets to go in and red zones and short yardage and, you know, when it really matters. So he's getting, you know, high pressure situations. So, uh, and it's not a case of he's going in because, uh, you know, Max didn't do something or whatever. It's kind of preset that in situations like that, um, they're going to get him in the game. So I liked, uh, you know, there are things to like. I, I still wish, you know, we could see, more diversity in the passing game, uh, that the tight ends would be incorporated like we thought they were going to be in the spring. Uh, uh, you'd like to see them be able to figure out how to hit those deeper play action passes that, you know, the run game is supposed to set up. And, we, and you'd like to see the run game more consistent. Uh, they've averaged, uh, against both Alabama and Utah State, they've given up nine tackles for losses. And I know you can say, well, a couple of those are sacks and a couple of those are with the backups. 
but there's just too many uh, where you got guys uh, shooting gaps and things like that. And, uh, you know, the running back doesn't even get a chance to get out of his own, uh, you know, stance practically. And that, they got to clean that up. That something has to happen so that, um, you know, that they can feel, you know, pretty consistent that they're not going to be, you know, second and long or third and long after, you know, one of those uh, tackles for losses. But uh, on balance, I mean, I'm really glad they had a game last week. I'm glad it wasn't a Stanford situation where they had a bye. That would have been just dreadful. And I think in hearing uh, David Shaw talk about it today on the coaches' conference call at Pac-12, he's not very happy about the fact that they did have a bye, that he feels like he's going into game week three, game two, but he says it's going to seem like more like game one. And that's the kind of thing I hope USC can take advantage of because they have had two weeks to, to play and grow and, uh, and improve. Dan, the, uh, the bye week is interesting. I don't know if it's going to work to Stanford's advantage or disadvantage. I agree with you 100%. It would have been such a you know it it would have been such a bad feeling for these USC players to have to go in to play Stanford without having that Utah State game in the middle. I thought it was a potential trap game that turned into really like the medicine the doctor ordered. I think USC needed that one badly. Yeah, and and they played a really well coached team. This was not a you know ragamuffin outfit that just you know didn't belong on the field or what have you. You know they played what was it, uh, 160-some games against Pac-12 teams, or 140, and they've won 25. Uh, and, and this is a solid team. Matt Wells does a really good job. Uh, they had a couple of, you know, players that, you know, quarterback and running back that they really thought were pretty good, and they just couldn't run away from the USC defenders who have some pretty good speed. And it, it showed in that game that uh, that they could run down the uh, – the Utah State guys. We'll see where that, how that fits in this week. You know, with McCaffrey, who's just a completely different, you know, animal. But uh, you know, can USC use its speed against uh, against a Stanford team that's kind of figured its way with some uh, with a significant number of new people, and not a team that looks like they have a great deal of speed all through the lineup. So uh, you're much happier going in off a game like that and having had two games in two weeks. Uh, you know, next week you only got, you've only got six days to get ready for Utah on a second straight road trip. But uh, for this week, I'm really you know, glad that they played last week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, well, I want to jump into the questions. Uh, we have actually a new sponsor on the podcast. I'm really excited. Uh, Dollar Shave Club. Uh, you probably heard about it. They've, they've changed the company recently, but uh, it's great. So they, I got my first shipment uh, last week. Uh, being part of the, the Dollar Shave Club. You don't have to choose between price and quality. If you want to get a great shave, dollarshaveclub.com is the answer. Check it out. I just tried it, and I love it. So to prove how amazing the shave really is, they're offering a first month free to join the club. So that's pretty cool. You can try it for free. Um, Dollar Shave Club delivers amazing razors right to my door. It's about a third of the price of what you get in the stores. I got my first shipment last week. Like I said, I've loved the products. Um, so you don't want to hassle with the drugstores. They lock up those razors behind bulletproof glass. Don't deal with that anymore. Just join the shave club and you'll never have to deal with that again. Uh, I love the shave that I got with the executive blade and Dr. Uh, Carver's shave butter. So it's pretty cool. It just glides right through my beard. It's the best shave I've ever had. I'm not a guy that likes to shave a lot. I'm actually shaving more now because I enjoy the shave very much. But so here's your chance. 
Uh, you can see why 3 million members love Dollar Shave Club. They're so confident in the quality of all their products. You're going to get the first month free when you join the club. All you have to do is pay for shipping. After that, it's a few bucks a month. No long-term commitment. No hidden fees. There's no reason not to do it. So get yours. DollarShaveClub.com slash USC. So that's our promo code. DollarShaveClub.com slash USC. Nice of them to come on to the podcast. And I've loved the product so far. So check it out. Dan, I'm going to have to hook you up and get you some Dollar Shave Club too, I think. Sounds great. Although I will say this. What sounds great, uh, you did that better than Sean Hannity does the uh, Dollar Shave Club uh, commercials. A very nice job. Well, I'm, that, you know, uh, I'm real impressed. That's my first Excellent. one. Yeah, um, you know, it's been nice. It's it's nice. We've been doing the podcast. Uh, you know, obviously, it's free for everybody. We've done it since 2008. And I'm, you know, I'm not really good at the whole advertising stuff. Um, but it's it's nice. I mean, we, you know, it's a labor. It's, it costs money, you know, to run the show and do everything. So uh, we've been able to get some sponsors recently because the show has become a lot more popular. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's cool when it's something like that. That's a cool product because um, I've seen it. I've, you know, we're we know Colin Coward pretty well. He's talked about it for a long time, so it's cool that I got to finally try it. So, yeah, uh, it, it's kind of you hit the big time when you get the Dollar <laughs> Shave Club. That, that's great. So, okay, so Dan, the the main theme, and you mentioned this in in your first answer. There's a we've got a lot of questions about the two quarterbacks, and I I couldn't agree with you more. I think one of the biggest uh, failures of the last uh, coaching coaching regime, and there's been a lot, was not being able to get Max Brown on the field. Um, it's nice that Sam Darnold's got legitimate playing time against the number one team in the country, against Utah State, get some success. Um, I think it's a good thing for his, you know, young development. And the fact that Max never got that, I think, you know, it, I think it certainly hurt him. The fans are kind of all over the place on this. There's some people that are like, Max Brown's the best. Uh, Sam Darnold's the best. You shouldn't use two. You should use two. Uh, I'll read you a few of these and then kind of get your thoughts on it if that's cool. There's actually a bunch, okay. but I'll, I'll, I'll read these. So, so Tarek says, uh, does Max Brown's release, uh, it makes it look like he doesn't get the ball out with much zip. Uh, that's from Tarek. So maybe we'll just do these one at a time so we can get your comments. But there's, there's okay. a bunch on this subject, so you don't have to go I, to it. I think, I think some of what Max does is he, he works on touch. And uh, if you watch him throw a long toss, for example, you watch him throw a lot of different ones, um, Max does flick it a little bit more and is more of a touch guy. Uh, he can drive it probably might take a little bit more of an elongated, uh, throw. I think uh, Sam's got more of a, you know, the natural baseball catcher where you just, you know, you're coming from not too far behind your ear. But, uh, but I think Max just is, is more of a, uh, an absolute perfectionist and, and is not uncomfortable with feathering the ball in. So there are times, you know, it just doesn't come out with that, you know, tight spiral like a catcher throwing, you know, a runner out at second base. Uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't know that it's arm strength, although he was very unhappy. Max was very unhappy with himself on the interception where he underthrew the ball. And I don't think that was a matter of uh, arm strength. I think that was strictly a matter of uh, a misreading what he needed to do with that ball. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't see the, the, a big difference, although they do deliver the ball a little bit differently, and it probably looks different to people. Um, well, let me read you a few of these comments that we got, um, and then we'll get your thoughts. Rudy says, 
I just saw that throw from Darnold to Juju for a touchdown in the Utah State game. That was money, a.k.a. an NFL throw. He threaded the ball between a linebacker and a safety and a cornerback. He's going to be a first-rounder. Man, I can't wait till next year. Mark my words, he will be a Heisman finalist. Anyways, my question, do you see the huge difference in the way the team played from last year to this year? And do you think we stand a good or great chance against Stanford? Please let me know your thoughts, uh, Rudy. So we'll let you go with that one first. He had the comment about the quarterbacks. Yeah, I think Rudy, uh, I think they've got a good chance. I, I'm not, you know, but I, you know, I thought they actually had not necessarily a good chance. thought they had a chance against Alabama and felt real good about my, uh, my thoughts for about, uh, what was it, uh, uh, 22 minutes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a good chance. And I do think, I mean, here's the difference. Uh, Sam has already thrown a couple of touchdown passes. And, uh, and Max didn't even get, you know, even close to a chance to throw a couple of touchdown passes. So, I mean, I think Mac, uh, Sam deserves the way he's played, the way he's improved, you know, all the things he's done. And that pass, and this is why you do have to really like uh, Sam. On that play, he said he came out in pre-snap, he knew the touchdown was there. He thought it was a great call, and he said, I knew the way Utah State was aligned, that, that uh, Juju was going to slip in behind that linebacker, which allowed him to throw that ball with just such positive, you know, he just drilled that. I mean, that was Brett Favre-esque, uh, the way he threw that ball. And, um, and he just knew Juju was going to be there. So to have a redshirt freshman who's in that place where he just knows how things are going to develop and, and can take advantage of them, that's a great thing. Yeah, and that, that was that was really impressive. That was one of the most, might be the most impressive thing anybody's done this year, you know, for this team was, was that read and that throw. Uh, we got our buddy Brian in Birmingham checking in, SC fan and SEC country. He said, nice bounce back win for the home team. Have a question for you and Dan. After watching both Max and Sam perform Sunday, I now see why Helden had such a hard time naming Max a starter. What are your thoughts on that position? I know what I saw. The ball really jumps off of Sam's hands. And he put the ball in tight spaces to both Juju and Jalen Green. I'm just saying, guess we'll know more on this Saturday against Stanford. As always, go Trojans. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is going to be uh, determined by what does the rest of the offense do? Uh, how solid is the offensive line? Do they keep improving uh, the way Sam Darnold has, for example? Uh, do they become really solid? Uh, do you get, you know, the wide receivers to a place where they can get separation? Uh, because the run game forces teams to be, you know, more, uh, you know, concerned with stopping the run. In that case, you know, the decision is probably you, you, you get a game manager and, and that's what you get with, you know, a veteran game manager who kind of understands all the protections and, and what have you. Uh, if you're going to have a situation where maybe you're doing a lot of scrambling, maybe, you know, the offensive line doesn't come around <clears throat> as much as everybody had expected it to and, and then doesn't play like the veteran group that, uh, you know, we all just assumed was going to be there, then do you, you say, you know what, we need our quarterback to just make some more plays with his feet or with his arm <clears throat> or whatever. Um then maybe you take a different look at it, and then you probably rejiggle, you know, the offense a little bit. But uh, uh, yeah, I think it's it's becoming even harder a call as you see, you know, where things are going right now. Um, I like playing both. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. 
Uh, Ryan in San Francisco said, am I the only person who's completely unimpressed with Max Brown? I'm not seeing anything to make me feel confident in his decision-making or arm strength. It looked like he was throwing cupcakes all game last week and seemed like we missed out on yards because of his delayed passes. In my opinion, Darnold looked more decisive and put more zip on the ball in his limited snaps against Utah State. Why isn't Sam being given a better look to take over the starting job, Ryan in San Francisco? Well, I think they wanted to not, you know, have this uh, where it's up in the air in terms of who's going to get it based on every series or every quarter or every play, whatever. Uh, they wanted to have a, you know, a specific uh, situational uh, way of getting Sam his experience, but not with, you know, Max playing with somebody, you know, looking over his shoulder. I mean, he was 23 or 30. Um, that's not bad. Uh, yes, he did, uh, he did miss a, a read or two, and he did make, uh, probably two ill-advised throws and one got picked off. So, uh, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible performance. If you're 23 of 30, it's not a terrible, you know, job. Uh, but, you know, you could say that Sam looks better, you know, in terms of just throwing the ball down the field. Uh, if they stop making the mistakes, you know, at every part of the offense, uh, Max can can look like one of those those game managers. You think, boy, it's really good to have a veteran game manager uh, out there. Or he throws the ball the way Joe Montana did, who obviously you know didn't have a cannon, uh, but got the ball to the right place at the right time. I mean, Peyton Manning doesn't have a you know, didn't have a, a cannon exactly, and he didn't have a a pretty looking you know, spiral coming off his hand. And he was pretty darn effective as well. So, I mean, I, I can see why people see what they see uh, with Sam against Mac. But, uh, but I think, you know, there are more, there's more to it than just, you know, delivering the ball, uh, you know, quickly and some of the other things. But that's a part of it. So, yeah, this, is, it, this could be interesting. But you don't want it one of those situations where your starter – is looking over his shoulder uh, from series to series. You just, you really can't have that either. So Eric in Duck Country wrote, and he said, I like what I'm seeing from Sam Darnold and the new dimension he gives the offense. Does it seem weird that he is called in when the offense is in the red zone by putting the offense in Darnold's hands at arguably the most critical time for the offense? Seems to say that Darnold and this offense are what they feel is best for the team. If that's the case, then it begs the question, why isn't this the regular offense? Thanks for the insight well, analysis, Eric and Duck Country. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a different offense when you're in four-down territory than it is in three-down territory. And four-down territory, you want to get positive yards pretty much every play, and you may be able to stay on the ground much of the time. And if you've got one more running back, you know, a six-foot-four, you know, 230-pound, 225-pound, whatever, running back who's pretty quick on his feet uh, – and can throw the ball, uh, you might have the best of both worlds. But but it is a difference in terms of running your offense when you're in the four in four down territory or in real short yardage territory. So uh, so I can, but I can also see the the flip side. Your point is, wow, you're you know the young guy with the less experience is being trusted in the highest pressure situation. To me, that's a feature. I like that. I think that's a really good move by Clay. But I know people could say, well, that doesn't make any sense. I think it does, but I can understand the other perspective. 
All right. This one, uh, Bear Secutor, it's a little longer, but I'll read that one too. I think this is the last one on the quarterbacks. It says, Dan, I don't get this at all. The agitation over platooning Darnold and Brown. The idea is to win, not regard a guy for loyalty or sabotage him. We can stipulate the following. One, the USC offense is struggling, especially the run game. Therefore, more emphasis will be will have to be placed on the passing. That's clear after two games. Two, Max sees the deep field better and throws a better deep ball. Max has a stronger arm and makes uh, more accurate throws within 25 yards. Neither is clearly, clearly making the better decisions than the other, though the data points are larger for Max. And three, Darnold's skills, velocity, willingness to go for it, improvisation, and scrambling ability are ideal for the red zone situations. He doesn't loft the ball. Uh, this is a weakness for the long ball, but a strength for the short game. Why not platoon these guys? It worked well last week. We may need to score, and we will need to win. And we will need to win. It's not about addressing egos or designating the man. I, uh, if neither of these guys is the complete quarterback, we need to score points. He should be applauded for being flexible and recognizing the players he has and putting in them in the positions to succeed. That's Bear Secutor. Yeah, I think Bear Secutor agrees with me. Yeah, I, I'm good with what what they're doing right now, and uh, and how it plays out, we'll see. But. Uh, but I thought, you know, I think it gives them the best chance to win at, at this point in time. Does that carry all the way through the Stanford game? I don't know. Uh, I think we'll see. Uh, but, uh, but I like going into a game with two quarterbacks you think you can win with. And, uh, and I don't know that uh, you would obviously, you would say one has, one or the other has the stronger deep ball arm. They throw just two different kinds of, of, of balls. Uh, you know, one throws more that, you know, baseball rifle shot and, and, uh, with Sam and, and Max has the ability to kind of get under it and float it. And he always did. He had that in high school. That was one of the first things that jumped off of his high school video is his ability to just float that ball and, and let somebody run under it. And, uh, and not look like he was working real hard to do it, that he just had kind of a natural, uh, you know, long throwing motion that allows him to do that. So, but otherwise, uh, I think we're pretty much in agreement. All right. Let's see. We have, uh, Chris in Cambria. He says, who called the plays in the Utah State game and who all was involved? Clay, T, Tyson. Many thanks, Chris in Cambria. I think all three are involved in kind of, how they work, uh, I think, I think T called the plays. I think we get too much into, into that. T and Tyson are sitting right next to one another. So I think they're, you know, constantly communicating with one another. And I do think, you know, Clay has the, uh, the final say, like all, uh, uh, head coaches do. And, you know, Pete, for example, like, like to overrule them, I think more, more often, you know, more than, than happens now. I think Clay has probably tried bent over backwards not to do that because he was, you know, the offensive coordinator and the play caller. And you want to try to, uh, encourage your, uh, play caller to kind of develop a rhythm. And if you start, you know, jumping in and, and calling the plays, you're kind of taken away from that rhythm. So I think they're working real hard to, to allow T to develop that kind of a rhythm that you need. And I think T and Tyson work real hard to be on the same page, uh, sitting next to one another. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get until, you know, if we don't see it kind of develop, um, to where you kind of have a really good feel that they know who they are and they're where they're going and how they're setting things up. 
I wouldn't get too, you know, caught up in uh, who called, you know, this player, that play. I mean, the one play that everybody said, okay, T called the screen pass, you know, the, the best call of the game. And I'm assuming he called the juju, uh, the juju pass for the touchdown as well. But, um, but I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't over, overemphasize the whole play calling thing. Uh, we got a bunch of questions on the offensive line too, and I wanted to uh, thank our other sponsor for the podcast, uh, Mac Weldon. They've been with us for a couple months now. Uh, basically, it's awesome underwear. If you're a dude, you want to wear cool underwear. It's better than anything you're wearing right now. I've been wearing it for the last couple of months. Like I said, it's awesome. I love it. Come and get some more stuff. Uh, it's really smart design, premium fabrics, uh, and it's really simple to shop. The, the website's really cool, macweldon.com. Um, just go on there. It's real easy. It's not complicated. And uh, there's awesome products. So anything you pick on there, I think you're going to love. And, and like before, people have emailed me. Let me know what they liked. And, and so yeah, email me again, podcast at uscfootball.com if you like it. Super comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, uh, undershirts. I got hoodies, sweatpants. All the stuff is really cool. Um, and so if you want to be comfortable, if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they're going to send you your money back. So they really are confident in the products. No questions asked. They'll refund your money if you don't like it. So it's uh, it's not just the underwear, too, but it's like shirts and socks um, that are great performing. Check it out. Uh, I think you're going to really like it. Go to MacWeldon.com. You get 20% off. Uh, using the promo code Peristyle, so P-E-R-I-S-T-Y-L-E, Peristyle, just like our podcast. If you go to MacWellen.com, you'll get 20% off. Uh, so really cool stuff. Check it out. And uh, like I said, email me. If you do, whatever you try, drop me an email. And let me know how well you like it. Um, all right. Well, let's jump back in. We got a few more, Dan, for you, and we'll let you go. We got to go to practice, I know. Um, this one, Otis wrote in and said, "This is. Uh, am I the only one that misses Norm Chow? <laughs> We get these Norm Chow questions every once in a while. <laughs> what is it? Uh, Otis, my man, and, uh, <laughs> in Animal House. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that you had the sense in, in a lot of those games that they were setting stuff up that you were going to see later in the game. You really, you know, and, and that's what they did. And, I would like to see, you know, USC get to that place where you do have that sense that, um, you may not have that sense until after the, you know, the second half and you've seen some of those things and you realize, okay, they were setting that up. This is where this team's got to stop making mistakes, start being really sound with everything it does, not miss a block, uh, you know, pick up all the little things and allow itself to set things up, uh, but Norm uh, Norm did that, and uh, you know, bless his heart, that that was a that was fun to to know that you were setting the other guy up. Um, JB wrote in. I talked about the offensive line, Dan. Uh, so we have a couple questions on that. He said, "Awesome program. Thanks for the great work." My question is, why are we having so many problems with the offensive line? Most of these guys were four and five stars when they came out of high school. They're not freshmen. Uh, they have plenty of experience under their belt. Most of the football mags had them rated preseason as one of the top five lines in the country. Some had them number one. On top of that, they went out and hired an experienced line coach who has had much success elsewhere. So why can't we run the ball uh, from JB? Really good question. And I don't know if it's, uh, you know, a holdover from, uh, you know, past coaching regimes and that they haven't gotten away. You know, is it scheme? 
you know, are they not le- letting themselves have enough, uh, um, you know, enough blockers at the point of attack, to be honest? Uh, you know, do you miss a Red Ellison as an H-back who, who got to the point of attack with, say, Matt Khalil, and that was the end of it. They, you know, there was going to be a hole there. And I, my guess is, for example, had Matt Khalil lined up with USC the first Saturday of September in, in um, uh, Dallas and had uh, Red Ellison been running his eighth back, there probably would have been some holes that they could have run to, as good as that Alabama defense is. Uh, that there's no one you know, that quick on their feet. I mean, I, I think maybe there is a little bit of a quickness deficit and with the the way they line up, it does seem to allow defenders who are keyed into some tendencies to take chances and beat USC offensive linemen uh, to the gap. And that you'll see a you know a linebacker get through before the running back gets there. So I think it's a combination of of you know, their, their individual physical skills, you know, would they be better in a, you know, a more of a foot to foot, uh, you know, split situation, uh, much like, uh, uh, Stanford, for example, uh, would they be better where, you know, they had a chance to really lean on people instead of having to go track them down, uh, you know, quick people that are, you know, running big circle routes or, or taking them outside and then jamming back inside on them when they're, they're split really wide. Uh, I, it's it's the question for this team this year, and it's the question if they solve it, uh, it changes everything. If they can, you know, figure out exactly what do we have to do to get a body on every defender on every play, and give our guys a seam, give our guys a crack, uh, uh, it changes it changes everything. It's the key uh, development that has to happen for this team. Hard to disagree with that, Dan. Um... We had uh, Mike in Portland from class of 1967. He said, even with the injuries and the ejection on the offensive line, it appears with all that talent uh, we have, they really are underachieving. What are your thoughts on the problem? Is it a technique technique issue, scheming issue, lack of uh, right, he means uh, or mean attitude, uh, coaching issue, player leadership issue, assignment issue, or some of all of the above? Keep up the good work. Uh, Mike from class of 1967 in Portland. Yeah, Mike. Uh, I, I mean, all of the above, I think, you know, sums it up a little bit. Uh, I will say this. You know, Zach Banner has really tried hard, you know, to be the leader, uh, to be the, you know, the captain of the offensive line. Uh, probably didn't help to lose, uh, Chad Wheeler, uh, and not get him to start the first two games and have Chuma, you know, go in there and kind of, self-destruct in both games, uh, you know, and then you lose Toa Lobin on your center. Um, so, you know, there have been some of those kinds of continuity issues uh, with, uh, you know, similar to last year a little bit. The difference is there really are a lot more guys that they think can play. Now, whether uh, some of the younger guys and EJ Price, whether he's anywhere near being ready, you know, to jump in, you wouldn't think, uh, uh against Stanford, for example. Uh, but, uh, you know, and Nico Fowler, I thought, jumped in and did a, a, a really good job at center uh, last week. So this way, this, I mean, you're going to see Chad back as a starter with, uh, with Zach. And 
you know, the guards, for some reason, haven't seen, and this is just, you know, we don't get to see the game film in the way the coaches do. The guards haven't seemed to have had as much luck as we would have expected them, you know, to have. I mean, they've lost a lot of weight. Um, and uh, yet it, it just hasn't seemed to happen with the precision that you'd really like it to happen, the run game. You know, are the plays too slow developing? I think at times they are. Do the quick hitters look better uh, much of the time? I think they do. Uh, do they have to get a matchup between maybe what this group of running backs does best and what this, you know, this line group does? Yeah, I think so. Um, do they have some tendencies that maybe people – who really pay attention and you know, scout the heck out of them have figured out. I think so. It sure looked like Utah State thought they had some things figured out. Alabama, no question, thought they, they had some things figured out. Um, for those who are worried about Sark being able to help uh, Alabama in the run-up to the game, there's where you wish that, you know, this had become a true new offense uh, that wasn't an, enough of what they were doing for Sark to give him any help. You know, that if Sark would have given him a lot of help, that it would have hurt him. Uh, that didn't seem to be the case. Uh, so yeah, I would like to see him match things up a little bit better. And, you know, it's a work in progress and it, 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 it needs a lot of progress, especially this week. Let's do, uh, let's do one more, Dan. I know we got to get you going because you got practice. Well, I got practice too, but. Um, John and Brea wrote in. He said, thanks for the fantastic coverage of the roller coaster ride that is USC football. This question is for you or Dan. It's amazing to me that the offensive line seems to be the glaring weakness on this team, apart from the play of the line. What one aspect of this team do you think needs to improve dr- dramatically in order to beat Stanford? Thank you and the Peristyle team for getting us tuned up for each and every game. Fight on, John and Brea. You know, I would go with tight ends. I just think we haven't gotten much production out of them. And I, as I said today in my, you know, column, I thought, give them some of their own medicine. You know, I mean, if they've been watching USC uh, the first two games, they're not, or last year, they're not expecting the tight ends to do very much. And I know, you know, uh, Clay was talking today about, you know, playing two tight ends, uh, motioning one of them, uh, and being able to, force teams to uh, uh, to not be able to know whether you're going to run out of that or you're going to throw out of it. Uh, the one thing you'd like for them to do is, A, get more production out of the tight ends in terms of that man-in-motion blocker, the Red Ellison uh, position, and secondly, figure out a way to get the ball you know, to the tight ends in the seams and things that they couldn't do uh, first couple of games, but they did in the spring. Now, obviously, they you had a one high safety much of the spring and they're, they're playing, you know, teams are playing too high. You got to get them out of too high. And, uh, yes, he just has to hit the figure ways that, uh, you know, they're going to make people bring another guy up to defend the run. And that's the, the crucial thing that has to happen. But if I had to pick out a position, I'd say, uh, I'd say, uh, uh, tight ends, I would like to see them contribute, especially against Stanford. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that one. That's something we thought was going to be a lot better this year and looks a lot like last year, a little kind of just as an outlet, not a threat or some sort of weapon that can be used down the field. 
And uh, that's one thing we thought was going to change in this offense, Dan, and it just, it just hasn't so far. Well, maybe, uh, and cross your fingers, maybe they're sandbagging them. <laughs> uh, maybe they thought, hey, it probably isn't going to change the outcome of the Alabama game, and we didn't have to do it against Utah State. I mean, whatever they do, I really would like to see them do some different things this week that Stanford can't be prepared because you've got, I mean, the one, one you know, positive for Stanford, they've got two weeks to get ready for USC, and they got to think after watching the Alabama game, they know what USC is going to bring. Uh, you would like to see USC bring something else. And, and, and the other thing I think they could bring is, uh, is, uh, Adori on offense. Uh, I'm not sure this is a game where you need an absolute shutdown corner for every single play on defense. And, you know, having not seen Adori in the first two games, I'm not sure, you know, Stanford, how much they can actually, even if they say, hey, they're probably going to spring him on us. I just don't think, they would exactly know how that how that's going to happen, and I do think uh, I would really like to see USC do that. Uh, we saw what Adore could do on one punt return where he got the ball in space and got some blocking. Uh, if you can find a way on offense to get him the ball in space three or four times in a game, he could change the game. Uh, and I think you got to give yourself a chance to to have that happen because they're not getting a lot of separation with their wide receivers. You watch both games, the running, the defensive backs are running foot to foot Velcro to USC's uh, wide receivers. Uh, Adoree changes that, changes the, the dimension. You, you line Adoree up, come out quickly, line him up in the slot, send him on a go route. And I'm not sure Stanford really has anybody can run with Adoree. Uh, I think you got to hit those things when they come, but it sure wouldn't bother me if they tried a few of those. All right, Dan, great stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, sharing all your insights. We'll be up in uh, the Bay Area this weekend for USC versus Stanford. Uh, we'll do. I'll try to do one or two more shows this week, maybe like a Stanford preview show and a solo show. We still got more questions, so we'll try to do more. But thanks again, Dan, for coming on. Okay, enjoyed it. See you at practice. All right, thanks, Dan, and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. We'll do another show or two this week, so check out peristylepodcast.com or uscfootball.com for the latest. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.